Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 346. Kickstarter is crazy. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone, we are back and we are talking about a little thing that you've probably never heard about. Kickstarter. <laughs> it's brand new. Mm-hmm. We'll walk you through it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's right. So for all your newbies out there, and there's certainly one or two out there, there is a crowdfunding website called Kickstarter. Seriously, what rock have you been under? But nonetheless, you it's possible that you've been under a rock or several rocks. I mean, this is basically the last two years. We've all been hiding under some sort of giant structure because, you know, end of the world kind of stuff. But nonetheless... We are facing down the deepest, darkest part of our soul that turns out to be Kickstarter. So we'll be talking about Kickstarter, how it's crazy, all the monies, all the fun, all the drama, and the devastation that typically happens to your wallet as you weep, but are also super happy when you get a giant box of things you don't remember that you bought and open it up and you're like, hey, that thing, I got that thing. Remember that thing? You know that thing that I ordered? Yeah, yeah. It finally showed up. Oh, yeah. Get that dopamine hit, and then like two hours later, you're like, why did I do that? That's where your question's like, do I want to take, you know, real medication for that, or do I want to back kickstart? Eh, you know, of course, about the same amount, you know. So right. we'll be talking about in that in our future review, so stick with us. Again, some hot takes to be had. Hopefully, we last <laughs> by the time that ends. But I have a feeling... Somehow, some way, just like every other week, we'll probably back more Kickstars before we get to the feature review. But see what you could do to get there with us with your wild intact. Anthony, I don't know if you know this, because I didn't know this. And I don't know if everyone listening knows this, because no one was there pretty much. But Origins <laughs> Game Fair 2021. Hey, dude, guess what happened? A thing. Or at least I'm told a thing happens, or at least maybe not. I don't know. I mean, if it doesn't happen on social media, is it a thing? I mean, it depends on what day, because sometimes social media doesn't work, right? What? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, we had this on our calendar for a while, and then when we went to prep for the show, we're looking for information about the Origins Game Fair, which Uh just ended yesterday, Uh Uh and there isn't any. (laughs) because <laughs> there weren't that many people there and there were no really not really any new game releases at least nothing that wasn't already at gen con because that was two weeks ago and essen is in two weeks so people are super hyped for that it, not the best timing for origins and i know they chose their slot before gen con so yeah tough luck that was tough luck but yes. uh i don't know i know a couple people who were there because I used to live in Pittsburgh and it was only a three hour drive and they seem to have fun. So whether there's new games to play or that many people there, at least they're enjoying it. <laughs> you say that, but I think from the fact that we haven't seen anything on social media, I think it's clear that it never happened. It never existed. This is just part of our, you know, COVID kind of delusion that's happening. So, mm. okay. So Gamma's gaslighting us. Got it. Well, I think so. I mean, look, you could do the science and go there, uh, but I've done my research, and my research <laughs> shows that nothing's actually occurred. So I'm going to go ahead with that and say it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is our social media episode then. Is this what it is? We need to get an intervention I, going? <laughs> it's possible. It's certainly possible. But uh, if you were out there, and I don't believe that you were out there because I can't believe that convention actually happened, but if you were, uh, we would love to hear from you and c- clearly disprove all the beliefs that Origins Game Fair to 2021 happened because I don't know, it just just disappeared. I don't I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. it's hard. Yeah, and I think part of it is it typically is one of the larger cons, right? It's it is. Yeah, twenty thousand people. The Five longest days. Con. Yeah, all the big companies come. You know, maybe it doesn't have like all the big brand new launches like Gen Con, but you can get a lot of stuff there. You can play a lot of stuff there. It's a big convention center. And so this year it was more like a local con. It, you know, it'd be like your Con Con or your Fall Con or, you know, any of these other smaller local cons, which are, I'm sure, a lot of fun. 
but they're not like national level because it's just, you know, a few companies taking up half a convention center. And when you scale, when you scale down that much, because all the conventions are doing that, they're cutting to like half or a quarter of how many people they're allowing in. There's not much to do or not as many people there to do it, I guess is the best way to put that. I mean, again, origins is gamma the game manufacturers association right this is the conventional convention for the public and it's as you said it's five days it's a massive convention it kind of kicks off the board game season you and i've had a lot of fun there and the fact that it just has not appeared you know it, it just kind of it's in the ether i don't know it's Again, look, you know, there's been a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of sacrifices. Obviously, a lot of companies and um, staff people out there obviously have suffered from the fact that these things have been so so challenging. And obviously, a lot of our gamer friends have been out there or not been out there because of all the challenges that that have occurred. So it's quite a sad event, but it's so weird for Gamma to have happened and also not happen anywhere else for anyone else. So, yeah, I mean... I guess we look forward to Eschenspiel. I mean, I, I guess that's the only thing we can do, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the list went up on Board Game Geek probably today. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. when they put it up, but pretty recently. And there's a lot of new games coming out at Essen for those who can get to it. Obviously, yeah. borders being what they are, travel being what it is, COVID being what it is. Sure. It's not going to be the same crowd similar to all the other conventions. And a lot of people probably won't be able to go who normally would. But yeah. If you're if you're trying to get that hit of new games that you've never heard of or seen elsewhere, I think Essen's typically the, the place to be, and it seems to be this year as well. Yeah, I think in part a lot of the European publishers and staff, they were either told not to go or not able to go because of you know visa restrictions and travel restrictions and every other kind of restriction, and also safety, right? Just just generally safety kind of thing. And, you know, looking over the releases, there are some new releases, but they're few and far between. And obviously, Gen Con kind of got there first. And even so, Gen Con usually has the bigger releases because they usually have the bigger media following. So not terribly surprising, but depending on whether you believe it or not, Origins happened. (laughs) And now it's over. And now we're moving on. So hopefully you had a good time. I don't know. I, I, you know, that's a thing, right? <laughs> we could say that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. All right, so that's what's going on with the board gaming convention, probably, hopefully, maybe, you never know, because, I don't know, existence could be just a board game, right? So, Anthony, let's talk about what our listeners are talking about. Let's talk about our question of the week. All right, so we're talking about Kickstarter today. So the question was going to be, are Kickstarters too expensive? But when I went to post this this morning, Facebook was down, and it remained down for about seven hours. So sorry, but you know what? I don't know that we really needed to ask them because we all know the answer, right? Well, to be fair, Anthony's trying to be kind. What actually happened is Anthony posted the question are Kickstarters too expensive? And it broke the internet. So Facebook <laughs> went down because of our question of the week. Our lawyer has asked us not to state that publicly because we could be liable. But I think you as our listeners do need to know, Anthony broke Facebook today. So way to go, Anthony. Duh. The internet, you know, seriously. Yeah. Kickstarters are expensive. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you say that like, oh, we could get in trouble, but Honestly, at this point, people were like, yeah, that guy broke Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Revolution. So, yeah. So we did break Facebook and we were pretty proud of it because that question just got so many responses that it just couldn't hold anymore. So, yes. Anthony, are Kickstarters too expensive? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they are. There you go, folks. There you go. Question of the week. Asked and answered. All right, so that's everything that's going on with our listeners, and especially Facebook, that we brought to its needs by asking the most obvious question in the world. It's like one of those questions (laughs) that, like, in Star Trek, they ask of the Borg because it's so obvious that it just breaks down the collective. It breaks down artificial intelligence. 
then yeah, duh. And then just it just melts anything too intelligent. So yes, that's our question of the week. Anthony, if it's possible, if it could be an actual thing, let's talk about our acquisition disorders. Okay. We are entering a fun time of the year for acquisition disorders. Normally we get to do this back in July, but no one was posting anything. So now we have all the stuff up, all the previews, the fall preview, the previews for 2022. There's dozens Mm -hmm. of games out there. There's also a lot of stuff on Kickstarter, but we'll get to that later. Uh, So the one I wanted to talk about, I'm hoping is not crazy expensive and Mm -hmm. it looks accessible and fun. Um, it's Shinkansen Zero K. This is a new game from Ludanova and designers uh, Ira and Shay. And they, they previously worked on 1987 Channel Tunnel, which is a really fun, small box, two-player game. Um, and Shay also worked on The Red Cathedral, which was a very fun, like, small box game with, like, a lot to it, right? It was very deep after you kind of got past the, the basics of it. And so this game is about building the uh, bullet train um, in time for the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. So Mm. the Takedo line started being built in 1959 and they were trying to get it in place and ready to to service the country before the Olympics, five years later, Um, Mm -hmm. the world's fastest train to get people up and down, back and forth across Japan, all the different events. And so uh, it's one to four players and you'll be one of the builders and you are taking various actions to build your own bullet train. So you're going to have carriage cards that you'll add to your train that will come like special abilities or actions. Uh, you'll be able to build tracks and stations, um, collaborate in various ways to prepare for the Olympic venues and all that. So it, it's a network mm-hmm. kind of route building type of game. Um, very beautiful looking board. And just thematically, it's, it's kind of cool, right? It's historical, but not super far back, but it kind of, I like these games that tell the story of something modern that maybe people don't know. So, you know, we're not going back to like 1700s. We're talking about something that happened like 60 years ago, but the bullet trains are still there in Japan. So it's interesting to know why it was built and where it came from. Um, And the game looks very interesting. Uh, And especially Mm. coming from this design duo who've done a bunch of stuff together and um, have worked on games like, like I said, 1987 and Red Cathedral, both of which I liked quite a bit. Uh, I'm hoping and expecting another relatively accessible small box game that plays in about an hour, which seems to be what it is. So this is on the Essen list right now, and I believe it's going to release this fall. Um, I don't know when it'll come over here, but I'll keep my eyes on it because this is one I'm going to check out when it comes out. Very cool. Yeah, this is beautiful. I mean, the box artwork, the board is beautiful. And at least for the pictures that they show here, it almost kind of looks like first class because it Mm. does seem like you're putting together parts of the train and you're going to be able to pick up bonuses from that. And I love first class. First class is like one of my most favorite games of all time. So I love that idea. I love this idea. I wish I could get this game right now. Kind of, (laughs) I know (laughs) just like, ah, (laughs) I mean, I think, you know, you could you could pre-order the game, which I guess is nice. But again, it's going to be Essen first before anything else. So yeah, yeah. we're going to have to wait a little while till it gets here to the U.S. Oh, yeah, and I'm cool, hoping man. it's not crazy expensive. It's like 25 euros over there. So I would imagine it'll be a 30 or 40 dollar game. So like Red Cathedral, it, it seems like it's kind of in that ballpark, which is great. I that's think a so. nice little compact game with a lot of game in the box. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well. Anthony hopes for the game not to be crazy expensive. I have a game that's just crazy. Uh, We'll talk about the (laughs) expensive part in a second. This game is called Don't Go In There. Should have an exclamation point. But don't go in there. Unfold the box into a dice tower and explore the haunted house if you dare. See, that doesn't need to have an exclamation point. So what this game is, it's a game on Kickstarter. Go fig, right? Like that never happened before. And it's a game from our canvas friends so remember that game canvas where you have the 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 art you slip into the sleeves recently mm-hmm. backed it on kickstarter myself finally got broken down and, and backed it so those are from the same people here the two fellows that are actually producing the game the company is called road to infamy games and jeff chin and andrew uh, Neger are be able to put that game together and what this is it's a halloween game it's currently on kickstarter 
It's got 24 days to go as we record. They're looking for a $25,000 pledge goal. They're almost there, about 24000 So the game itself, as explained by its title pretty much, is a game box that turns into a dice tower, and the dice tower is kind of like a haunted house. The game is all about a press-your-luck set collection situation. So basically what you're going to do is you and your friends are told, don't go in there. And obviously, of course, you go in there because your wacky kids and meddling kids always do cool things. So from two to four players for about a half hour, you will go down to these different rooms and there'll be these different cursed objects. The only way to get out is to be able to collect a certain number of cursed objects in order to resolve the curses and then get out. When you get out or when the players all get out, you check to see how many curses, or in this case, ghosts, are still attached to you. And the person with the most ghosts, I guess, is haunted. And they lose, you know, they basically lose the game. And whoever has the least haunting ghosts kind of win the game. So basically, you place your meeple, you do a little press your luck situation. You want to get the set collection that you need in order to wipe away the curses. The further you go down the stairs to get the item that you want, the more dice you have to roll. You roll the dice, and there are custom dice in this game. They glow in the dark, and you get little ghost face on the dice. The more ghost face you get, the more ghosts you get. The more ghosts you get, the more curses you get. So maybe it's not worth going all the way down there to go first to get the item that you need, but it's a set collection game, so you need to do that. You need to get the cards that you need in order to wipe away the curses. The cards give you special abilities that kind of knock things off and put things in spot. It is a very cool-looking game, and that is always something I like to see. Uh, the retail version of the game is $25, so not crazy expensive. The $35 one is the limited edition game, which is kind of weird because this is just like a little game. And, you know, don't make everything a limited edition. Come on, guys. Don't, don't. But the limited edition adds additional cards, which kind of mix things up a little bit. That might be something that you're interested in. There are only two backer levels here, just to give you an idea. The $25 one only has 15 backers, where the $35 limited edition, where you get the stretch goals, will be 620 people backing that. So, yes, I think that's a better value for your buck, even though this is a small game. I would expect that this game would probably be $25 retail. I think this is more of the novelty of it, of having a Halloween game. The artwork is very good. The construction looks pretty cool. It seems like something you could just bring to a party, pop it open, have fun with kids, or fun with friends. Because again, it's a simple press your luck game. How many dice are you going to throw down the haunted house to get how many curses? So press your luck, always fun. The artistry here, lots of fun. The card artwork here, fun. Game's very basic, nothing you're going to be blown away by. But nonetheless, uh, don't go in there. It's a game on Kickstarter. So don't go in there because it's going to cost you money. And that might be something you don't <laughs> want to do. Yeah, it looks interesting. I, there are a fair number of like spooky Halloween type games, but I yeah. feel like there's always room for more because they, they're generally, I don't know. It's, it's a funny thing. Yeah. Like People always wonder like, why don't we have more holiday games? And I just like, you don't really play them outside of the holidays, but Halloween type games, you definitely do. You know, I have several of them for the kids and they play them all the time. I mean, we used to do a Halloween list, but it was always very hard to do a Halloween list. Mm. I mean, there was like, it was like two thirds of the list was Cthulhu. And then yeah. it was like the one or two other games. And I think the last couple of years, horror has kind of made a comeback into board gaming. So yeah. you had like Last Girl, which I think was a Kickstarter and then yep. you had um, a whole bunch of other monster games. You know, the yeah, classic monsters. Classic mm -hmm. monsters. There was Abomination, the Frankenstein game, um, mm -hmm. which is a little rough. There was the the Friday the 13th game. Yes. There's been a bunch. Uh, yeah, I think the last couple of years they've added a bunch more, which is great because why not? I mean, horror is still a very big thing. I'm waiting for the the podcast game that's all about true crime because I think that's the next thing that's coming out. Uh, right. If you end up making a true crime board game, please hit me up because my idea called it trademark. There you go. <laughs> I want a piece of that. You know, daddy wants to be able to afford asthma day. That's all I'm saying, man. Just, just, just saying. Need that 2 yeah. billion, man. How are we doing on that? <laughs> there. How, where are we on the, on the meter? We're, 
Well, I'm thinking about doing a Kickstarter for it, ironically. So maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, every, yep. if everyone could donate a little bit here, you know, we'll get some stretch goals going. And uh, two billion dollars later, you know, we just need to make some metal coins and some minis, and we'll be set. I, I mean, that's that's what you know. If you do the metal coins and minis, you'll have more than two billion dollars. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I wonder if it's one of those things like the Green Bay Packers that's like owned by the people. If that's one of those things where we just put out to the board game community, like, can we just buy this back? Can we buy all the games back? Like, like we don't even care about the money. We just want the, the games to be reproduced again. You know, it's it's like it's like those holiday movies or those things on Hallmark where it's like, you know, everything, you know, hope was abandoned for that small town and to that plucky uh executive she comes back to town and she saves christmas right like we could save board gaming we could be able to do that you know it could be a thing yeah yeah man let's do it all right that's that's a thing so uh join us for our future kickstarter where board gamers anonymous buys asmo day uh just make sure to back all of the levels especially the two billion dollar level we just need <laughs> one of those that's all i'm saying plus shipping we just need one of you man come on just one of you. I, I mean, come on, look. I mean, out of all, all of our listeners, I, I think we have the highest number of billionaires listening to us. I mean, come That's on. We broke we broke Facebook, so I mean, Zuckerberg, you know, Zuckerberg's... Zuckerberg, uh-huh. you could redeem yourself here. You could redeem yourself in the eyes of society and help us fix Asthma Day. Just saying. I mean, I saved a lot of money not, by not backing uh, Masters of the Universe, thanks to you, Anthony. You would not let me buy a game that was all about my childhood and it was back when I had fun as a kid and I wanted to buy it, but you was like, don't buy it. And then I didn't buy it. Now I'm sad. It's fine. It's okay. okay. You did good, man. You did good. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, but nonetheless, yes, we, we like to have fun here and we like to buy Asmo Day. So please stick with us as we do. And you know what, Anthony? I am backing. Don't go in there. See, I, I hate this podcast, man. This is like the worst podcast for me. I should not be on this podcast. People get me off this podcast. Two billion dollars gets Chris out of this podcast. And wait for it, kids. Wait for it. Pledge. it there you go. It happened. Oh, there Woo! it is. Patience. Oh my god, this is the worst podcast. How? Why do we do this podcast, man? Like, I can't I keep it's doing possible. this. It's cost me thousands of dollars over the years. I don't know. <laughs> this this definitely backfired on us. You promised it would be the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It did not work. We are just enabling each other. It's no good. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think that was part of the plan from the very beginning. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, let's get on to our feature review. Speaking about enabling. So for our feature review this week, we wanted to talk about Kickstarter. But before we get into the fun of Kickstarter which is all about the fun kickstarting game. Anthony, let's take a step back from a moment because we are so grateful and thankful for our publisher friends who actually, every once in a while, does give us a game to review. And this past week, uh, our digital friends at Acram Digital, I believe that's the way to pronounce it, or at least the bad way that I'm pronouncing it, um, recently produced Concordia. Digital Edition, a faithful adaptation of a strategic board game ranked in the top 20 board games of all time. And I will I will account for that. It is one of the greatest board games that's been out there. And partially because, you know, Tom Vassell, who's been an icon in our industry so, for so very long and, and, you know, earned it, he's always kind of made the joke about trading in the Mediterranean. And... It's always kind of like, you know, for Euro gamers, it's been the thing that's kind of rubbed against them because it was one of those situations where like, yeah, there was a lot of games that trade in the Mediterranean. And then Concordia came out and I think that kind of criticism stopped. So you and I, Anthony, got a free review copy of this on Steam and iOS and we got a chance to play this. And I've talked about Concordia for quite some time because Concordia has always been the game that my game group has played more than any other game. And I can't fully explain it other than it's an amazing game. It's a, you know, it's a game that we play over and over again. And surprisingly enough, I don't own Concordia. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't know, I've man. played that game probably more than anything. I don't own it. You, you own it, right? 
I have all the stuff for it. Yeah, and I've, I haven't even played all the stuff that comes for. I mean, I've played the game maybe yeah. a dozen times, but I certainly have not played it enough to warrant oh, owning I've, maps for it or whatever. So yeah, I've owned it a lot. I've owned it a lot, and you know, Matt has such a wonderful history in board gaming, and it's it's hard to pick a favorite. But I guess if I had to, it would probably be Concordia. Now, if you haven't played Concordia. The board game or the digital version—it's—it's rather—it's rather straightforward. You start with a hand of cards. Those cards allow you to take actions, and those cards are also end-game scoring cards. As the game goes on, you'll do trading in the Mediterranean. So you'll walk around, sail around, go to the different cities, build trading ports, trade resources, pick up money, and at the end of the game. You'll look at the cards that you have in your hand because you have this really cool card called a Senator, which allows you to purchase additional cards. Those additional cards, like the cards in your hand, will score you end game points. So collect sets of those will score you a lot of points based upon your strategy. It's pretty straightforward. The artistry in the board and the cards are fantastic. The artistry on the box is infamous. And I don't know what to say. I mean, I think generally think it's okay. They've reprinted and redone the artwork, but it's fine. But it's one of those big games that is fun to play multiple times because the cards allow you to build different strategies. So as you're purchasing cards, it just builds a different thing. Maybe you're building all of the brick houses, or maybe you are expanding to all the different countries. A lot of fun here. Now, the digital version that came out was really kind of a welcome, you know, breath of fresh air because Concordia hasn't had as much table time as it, you know, has recently. Now, Venus recently came out, which was, uh, I guess, like team versus team version of Concordia. You played that, Anthony, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was actually one. It might have been the very last game I played in Pittsburgh before I moved away uh, with my friends there. And it was a blast. I was. Yeah. I wish I had played it more earlier because I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, you basically have teams of two versus teams of two. And it should not work. And it does work. And I think it's only a handful of maybe like three or four games in board gaming, at least at large, that you can play in teams against other teams. And again, it's a super fun game. Now, the digital version is available for Steam so Windows and Mac and Linux and everything, Apple, Google, and actually Nintendo Switch, which I think is pretty cool that it yeah, just yeah. comes on board right for that. The price is pretty good. Currently on Steam, it is on sale. And basically, you're going to do very much the same thing as the digital version. Now, the digital version and all Euro games of this class, this is the main challenge. Does the game play well digitally? We know the board game's amazing. How does it play digitally? Because... Right. How you lay the things out on the screen is just, it really comes down to all of the gameplay. That's it. Like, you only have a certain amount of real estate. If you have to go through multiple screens, if you have to swipe, if you have to open up, if you have to close things down, if you have to pull up menus, it's going to be an issue. You hear me, Terraforming Mars. I'm talking to you. It's just, sometimes <laughs> it's a little challenging. Or Agricola. Agricola is a beautiful game, but again, you're swiping through multiple screens. Concordia does a very good job of this. It does allow you to have a couple spots that you do have to open up. So you have to see the market of cards you can purchase, but it's up there in the top right, just like the game board. Your resources are on the bottom, the middle. So just like in QWERTY, where you have a little mini board where you can hold resources, that's down there and available. On the left side has the player count and also has the different provinces and different areas that are available. The board itself is colorful. It's simplified. It doesn't look exactly like the Concordia board. There is some general kind of looks it's smooth over a little bit the ships and the i guess the people who move around like they're they're basically built to be like board game pieces so they kind of like almost pick up and move and drop like they're on a little plastic stand which is weird because when you play the board game and i haven't picked up the new version obviously so but they're meeples but they're not yeah. meeples here they're like literally like little board game pieces that kind of pick up and like plop down like a like, like they're attached to a peg. 
The game itself still plays fantastic, still runs very quickly, does have an AI. The AI can be challenging. You can play this game online. I've played this myself. Anthony, you've played this yourself. Why don't you go first? What did you think of Concordia, the digital edition? Yeah, man. I So my thing with these like bigger Euro games uh, in digital form is I it always takes me a little bit of time to adjust, right? Because yes. I'm used to being able to see everything. And it's a big board. It is. Right? So... In this case, you kind of got to learn, you know, you got to swipe, you got to pinch, you got to zoom a lot to see all the different things, especially towards the end of the game, because towards the end of the game, you're trying to look at the whole map at once, um, which can be a little more difficult than like at the beginning, we're just looking at the little section that you can reach. Um, yeah. I also had a little bit of trouble, like, so like tactically at the, at the game table, you can see everybody's like where they've built, right? Pretty easily because sure. they have, those are pretty chunky pieces and you can look across the board and see like, okay, yellows in all these locations. You kind of got to pinch and zoom and, and poke around. You can't like see at a glance that, you know, red has these two provinces locked down and I need to get in there if I want to produce things when they produce. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of stuff is just like, you got to adapt to it when you're playing these. And they're all like that because you can't, replicate the table experience which is a table it's massive yeah. onto a tablet or even your computer screen so that's fine right it's and there's definitely worse ones like i've played terra mystica a bunch of times digitally and that one's terrible it's got like four screens you gotta slide through um other than that though like i thought it was it was quick it was accessible um i didn't have any problems with it i know there's some people saying it was a little buggy but i I had no issues on iOS or Steam, and I'm on a Mac, so uh, that's where I'm playing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I put the AI up a little too high the first time I played, and it crushed me, so that was fun. <laughs> but I have not played this game a ton, so I don't know that I'm super great at it anyways. Uh, be a good way to train, though, because I got crushed good. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I enjoy it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to play it. Some of these games come out. I play them a couple times. They go on the back burner and I never get back to it. But there's been a few lately. Um, Brass Birmingham was another one that I've, I've played a ton on Steam. This is probably going to join that where just sit down and knock out a game in 20 or 30 minutes while I'm watching TV. It ends a lot of fun. So I endorse Concordia Digital. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I think this, this is surprising too because I also did pick up Brass Birmingham and I think... For me, the interface is still too foreign for me to enjoy that game. I'm still just mm -hmm. like, why is this? Why does this seem more complicated than it should be? Concordia here, I felt like I started to go through the tutorial, and then I was like, I don't need the tutorial. I could, I could just play this game because I know the game, and I never had a problem figuring out what I needed to do. Mm -hmm with it like the only thing i think was when i played the architect card which is a move and build card i did have to remember to click on the board because i needed to see where my people could go but beyond right. that i think it's very clear i'm obviously playing on a large computer screen and i think there it, it holds enough information that you don't need to pinch and pull too much but obviously on on the smaller screen there is much more of that the challenge for me is two things. One, the cards. The cards are so essential to the game, and you can look through mm -hmm. your cards throughout the yep. game, but you want to be able to see and hold and feel and just really strategize with the cards and feel like attached to them more than anything else. The artwork on the cards is diminished from the regular set. The card artwork is beautiful. Plus, you can flip around the cards and see how they score. So as you're kind of playing the digital version of the game, it's a lot more challenging to kind of like strategize what you're doing because your hand isn't as fully present to you as it as it is in the digital version. The board is really nicely laid out. It does make sense. It does have the dashed lines. This upcoming version will have all the maps. You can actually play several of them. We'll have the Venus version of this. This version is a buy for me. I, I think, like you said, Anthony, as well, I think this is a game that I will continue to play. I like the fact that the AI is solid, like it will give you a challenge and not just kind of like, you know, not know what to do. Like, for example, I play Small World, which I like a lot. Sometimes the, the computer's like burnt out with like one troop left and it keeps trying to do it. I'm like, 
no. <laughs> this game will actually try to beat you here. I would like to see the game actually lay out the scoring instead of just giving you the score and then you have to kind of go through and see how you scored. That was a little distressing because I was like, I want to let I want to have that real Concordia uh, experience where like you're playing each everyone's playing the same card at the same time and you're seeing the score because in Concordia you can play it like halfway through you see where you are on the board but typically the way you play Concordia is no one knows their score until the very end so you're not really sure where you are then you play your cards you're like oh I'm a thousand points behind or a thousand points ahead and that really that's interesting. One other thing with the game, which I really liked, which is a little nuanced that was interesting. There's a lot of little side subtle animations. Like you see like little sea monsters pop up or things on the, on the map kind of move around. I like the little digital kind of additions there. It's a great game. You should check it out. It's on sale now on steam. Definitely worth your time and your uh, steam bucks for that. All right. Well, thanks for the, the company for providing those reviews Anthony, let's get back into all the money, all the money, all the money. Dear God, dear God, all the money. Let's talk about our feature review, which is Kickstarter is, in fact, crazy. Crazy. Now, Anthony, yes, crazy with a K. I think that's that's how crazy they are. They're like Mortal Kombat crazy. Crazy. So, yes. So, Anthony, is there any particular projects, in mm. fact, that might mm. have stirred this idea, this thought, this theory, this premise that Kickstarter is crazy recently. Uh, there is one, in fact, that I'm thinking of uh, specifically that do tell, really do tell. Yes, kind of yes, yes. threw me off the deep end. And you probably all know what I'm going to get to here. Was it don't go I... in there at $35? Because I already backed it. <laughs> oh my don't talk gosh. me out of it. It's too late. You're crazy. Too late. What are you doing? All right. I got good yeah. ice. <laughs> <laughs> they glow in the Dude. dark. Yeah, those are really cool. Actually, I want those. Yeah. Uh, no, that's funny because this this campaign was one I was thinking we could do in a week or two, and you try to talk me out of backing it, and then they put it up, and I'm like, <laughs> you don't have to talk me out of backing this. This is insane. I'm not backing this. Yeah, uh, it's the Stefan Feld City Collection, and it's oh, not no. even the first one. It's the second one. I backed it the is. first one. I went stupid crazy all in on it, but only whoa, for those whoa. two games. I didn't even get whoa. the like what what. what? Whoa, whoa, my friend, stupid crazy. I backed all four games on the first campaign. <laughs> I'll have you know, you don't know you stupid crazy. And <laughs> you saved like 200 bucks doing it because these prices are insane. I, okay, so if you did not back all the games in the first one, here's what you're spending, right? So there are four of these things uh, and two of them are re-implementations of old games. Uh-huh. Uh, so the two the two that came out before, <laughs> Hamburg and Amsterdam, one of them is a remake, a reimplementation of Bruges. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, okay, which is a great game. It's out of print forever. It's good. Uh, what was the other one a reimplementation of? I don't even remember. That's the whole point. Oh, you talk, are you talking about Amsterdam. the recent campaign, Rialto? No, the, that's the, the first the... campaign. Oh, um, Macau. Macau, that's right. Yeah, Macau, great, Macau and Bruges. Macau and, yeah, and Bruges. And I own both of those games and I backed it anyways because it was like, I'm all in on Feld. I own all of his stuff. He's my favorite design. Well, what one of my favorite designers. I'm a crazy mm-hmm. collector. I have all the things, right? And they were beautiful and they were deluxified. And it's like the nicest version of a Feld game you could possibly get. And I was like, cool, I'm all in on that. And it was a hundred and some crazy amount of money. It was It was too much, <laughs> but it wasn't. It, it's like it didn't break that line of obscene, right? They were still both less money than a Lacerda, for example, right? It wasn't uh-huh. you weren't spending more than you would on Gloomhaven. Well, well, they said you all spent two hundred dollars on two Feld games last year, uh-huh. which we uh-huh. haven't delivered yet. By the way, those games aren't no. even out yet, and we want more of your money, and we want uh-huh. even more. So you know what we're going to do is we're going to release. Not only can you get the two that you missed before for like an extra 40 bucks uh-huh. because now they're 125 each instead of the what what were they before 80 90 okay Insane. but also here's two new ones we've got New York City which is a reimplementation uh-huh. of Rialto which is an okay game it's yeah. not a great game 
no. it's it's definitely on the lower end of the Feld games. Oh yeah. And then you have Marrakesh, which is a new cube tower game. It's a hundred and fifty dollars for a euro, just by itself. Doesn't even come with all the bonus stuff that you might want, like the metal coins. That's extra. It's going to mm-hmm. cost you another forty dollars. So if you want all the stuff for Marrakesh, which by the way is not even a crazy amount of stuff, it's like two or three hundred wood pieces. They're not huge. It's lots of games come with wood pieces. They're charging you almost three hundred bucks for that game. It's crazy on Kickstarter too, which is where you're supposed to be able to get things for less because you're helping get it produced. It's so <laughs> so crazy. And so <laughs> if you want both of these games together, it's $265 plus shipping. It's not even on there. And the coins aren't even included. Oh my gosh. So this was like my, like I looked at this for maybe five minutes. I didn't read. I don't even know what Marrakesh is as a game because I don't care. Like I'm not spending that much money on this game. It's so much. And like you look at what's in the box and it just doesn't even make sense. Like where they're coming up with these numbers. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I think Feld somehow of all the different things that could do it. Mm -hmm. Stefan Feld is the one who managed to jump the shark on Kickstarter pricing because again, you want everything, all four games with all the coins, $715. Come on. Unbelievable. Come on. For Felt game. Like, Felt's great, but Vitalis Erdis games, they all come out. They're like 120, 130, which is a lot of money, but you get everything. It comes with whatever metal stuff it comes with, except for the Kanban cars. And they're charging even more than that for this. And, you know, Queen Games productions are fine, but they're not. They're not like the level of Eagle Griffin's Lacerda Productions. No. So, yep, that's where I'm at. You guys have made it so expensive. I'm not backing Feld Games, which is crazy. You know, and I I can easily let New York City go because I have Rialto. But Marrakesh, it's a new one. I'd like to play it. And it's not even like you could could back the Classic Edition. It's still $90 plus shipping for the Classic Edition of that game, which is like the non-deluxified with all the cardboard. Yeah, like you've got to be kidding me! You, like, I can't. Do yeah, it. yeah. I I did an incredible, crazy, stupid thing of backing all four at the first campaign because I just honestly two things. One was I had that FOMO moment, and the other part was I did have this irrational but clearly rational fear that when mm-hmm. they came out with the other two, that they would jack the price. Yeah, and. It was such an incredible, insane amount of money for four games to begin with. This I'm talking the first campaign that I was just like, I just needed to mentally do do it so that I couldn't, I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. And right. as you mentioned, I have Bruges. I even have the expansion to Bruges. I still don't have the the uh, I think it's the dog collection, the animal collection, which I really do want. I know it's a little small, nothing of a pack, but it's obviously really hard to find right now. The Macau is obviously out of print and also a very good game. And obviously I I probably would never get my hands on it. So I was happy to back that. I didn't want to back the Bruges one because I honestly did not like the artwork. I think since Mm. then they've gotten such a big pushback about the artwork that they did add new artwork before it was like, oh, instead of those individual kind of beautiful works of art, I think it's by Michael Menzel who did each of the different people visiting the city. It's like generic building, generic building, generic building. Like, and I mean generic. And I think they got pushed back and they said, all right, we have to do something. But again, it was just one of those things where it was like, it was almost weird not to back both. So I backed both. And then obviously Rialto was one of the Feld games I was always kind of annoyed by. I own Rialto. I have a copy of it. Unless (laughs) I, you know, like I, it's still sealed. Like I played it. I thought I was like, huh. If you go first in the game, you, you or you go earlier in the game, it's it's a lot easier to win the game. So I was, you know, the only reason I backed it was, I mean, bought it at least initially was because it was felt, and I was on that same crazy train that that you did, um, where you know I was collecting all of Feld at one point, and I don't remember what kicked me off the train. Maybe it was all the 
the expensive aftermarket things with a speaker shot or something like that. But mm. when they said that New York was the, you know, Rialto, I was really disappointed because I live in New York and I'm just like, no, don't make a bad game about my city. But maybe <laughs> they fix some things. I don't know. Marrakesh, I think everyone thought that was going to be a the re-implementation of America because, again, Q mm. Tower, right? And it turns out it's its own game. As you mentioned, the thing that bothered me about the first campaign is the same thing that's bothering me about this campaign is that in order to get the super deluxe version, you're backing things that you really don't need for the game. Now, obviously, some of that's really basic. It's coins. Recently, they got so much negative press because of the cost that they relented and now are going to put a coin box with every deluxe four bundle game, just the basic coins. They also have special coins that are about a buck each, if not more. And it, it's Feld's printed face and also like whatever the city game happens to be. They look beautiful. Do I need to spend a dollar or more than a dollar for coins when I'm already spending one generic set? No, I don't need to do that. I, I'm, 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 I'm well enough mentally <laughs> not to do that. <laughs> now, that being said, I've kind of been okay I mean, Amerigo, I believe, is a queen game, right? I think Amerigo is a queen production. It is, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and that was a good production. Queen does a good job. I don't generally like their primary color palette where it's just too stark of a thing. So when yeah. I'm looking at Marrakesh, I'm like, oh, this is a you know grand city. Oh, it looks like it was you know a playground for kids because it's just so bright and like popped in your face here. I hope it's a good game, but this goes back to my other issue with Kickstarter, which is you have to back everything at such a high cost that you're never able to experience the game and like the game and then buy all of the game. It's like buy all of the game without playing the game or play the game and then get some kind of either cheap version or don't get the game at all because you can't get the stuff that you need because now it's a Kickstarter level or something. So I have no idea if Kit Marrakesh is good. No idea at all. I looked it up. I read some things. There are some general people who just said like one comment and that doesn't really say anything. And again, most of the games and most of the reviews here are not reviews. They're paid previews. And if they're paid previews, I don't care how moral, how justified you are. If you're paid to do a preview and you're like, I like this game, then you're giving a review that's paid. I'm sorry. I love you guys. I love all of you out there, but that's just not cool. So let there be some independent game reviews, reviewers who don't get paid that can review these games. So I feel more confident about purchasing these games. I'm sorry. Just how I feel. It's a thing. It's a lot of money. You have to buy everything all at once. It hurts the industry. Because people can't get in on the ground floor. They just can't. And yeah. I love Feld. I love Feld. I mean, I'm buying I'm buying him a wing on his house. I mean, I, I love the guy. I'm happy. <laughs> He's going to be able to fill his pool with, like, metal coins. But it really is a sad thing. It, it really is. Because, yeah. like, you're getting, you're getting challenge coins and signature cards and, like, random other doodads. I just want better game components. Like, multiple sleeves. Like, I don't need multiple sleeves. Like, why are you doing yeah. this? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's telling because there are, if you look at the original Kickstarter, the one that was up last year, there were 3,400 backers and it raised almost a mm -hmm. million dollars, right? And like 900 of those were people at the level you backed at for like yeah. all four games, right? The current Kickstarter is sitting at 200,000 with just 800 backers. And yeah. I don't think we're alone in this. And I'm glad yeah. because I think it's well past time, which is why we wanted to talk about this today. This isn't. The segment's not supposed to be like, let's bash on Stefan Feld collection. No, I love Stefan Feld. I mean, but ask my kids, Stefan and Feld. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but we've gone too far, right? This is, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's not just like you're taking advantage of people who, yeah, like myself, I backed those first two games and I'm like, part of me wants to back these anyways for $300. And I'm like, and then occasionally I'm like, no, that's crazy. You should yeah. not do that. And I'm, you know, I'm going to keep reminding myself and I'll listen back to this when I do it again. Because <laughs> um, I want to have all the things. And this is going to break my stuff on Feld Collection and I'll probably end up selling the ones I don't like because once it's broken, yeah. it's broken, right? 
but at the same time, you're pricing people out of the hobby to a yeah. significant degree. There's people who can't afford this. There's people who can't afford half of this. I can't and afford this. <laughs> no. And it's a luxury, right? We yeah. all know that. Like, we can't pretend this is like some necessity. Oh, I can't afford this game. Woe is me. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who could enjoy these games. And now they're just like, there's no way. And it's just no chance it's happening. So it's the same thousand people backing the three, $400 games over and over again who can yeah. actually afford it. And then they end up with 5,000 games in their basement, <coughs> like myself. Um, <laughs> what, you know, but then the games aren't available in retail. You can't get yeah. all the stuff. Like you said, that drives me crazy. Sure. It's, uh, it's so frustrating. That's, I mean, I'll go yeah. in. I mean, even backing all four games, if I want the new additional things that go along with the games, the, the new coins, the, the, the rondelles, mm. all those things. It's this is really what broke me, honestly. Like this was the thing that, like, when I heard this number, I was just beside myself because I already like emotionally and mentally and financially invested. And they were like, "Cool, do you really like those games?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, bro." Like I backed hundreds of dollars of games that I either already own or kind of already played or don't know anything about at all, and therefore do not want to buy them. But I invested in Stefan Feld and I spend so much money, like ridiculous, crazy money that I, you know, and again, we don't have the games. This is like money that I could be making interest on. And they were like, cool. Would you like to have them complete with all the stuff? Absolutely. Again, spent all the crazy money. Cool. Another $185. Jeez. $185 plus shipping and taxes and everything else. This is on top of backing all four games at a cost that I'm still keep mentally wiping out of my brain. Every time Anthony says it, it goes in one ear and then, then there's a little, <laughs> thing that goes, little music that gets to play and I don't hear it. So <laughs> yeah, I think, think something along that line. There's, there's certainly some sort of TikTok song that's appropriate here. So again, I think you're right, Anthony. And, and again, I think we talked about origins. I, I want to make one other little point and this is not Kickstarter's fault and neither is it Feld's fault. And I'm so glad that small designers like we talked about before previously where like if they could not get their game to market you know kickstarter is great for this but this is really in my in my opinion and i've been to conventions for the last couple of years and you and i have spent a crazy amount of money going to conventions i think kickstarter has killed conventions i think it's every convention i've gone to where kickstarter has now been a thing and i mean a real thing has just drained the 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 juice out of conventions you still get to see games you still get to see people you still get to play games but there was a time where the conventions were a real experience because things were released things were teased things you know hit the market for the very first time the discovery the finding the exploring the getting the games to the table and now that's all evaporated it's not it doesn't exist anymore every game every major game and every even small game that you would discover at a convention and go, oh, did you play that game? Don't go in there. Do you believe the dice? Of course I believe the dice. It's been on Kickstarter for the last three months. And <laughs> I backed it a year and a half ago. And I'm still waiting to get it to the market. But I know everything about the game. So it's also messed with the convention. So again, I don't know. It's it's really it, it really is heartbreaking. And again, Feld it's it's surprising. Feld has produced his games from so many different companies that have produced such a baseline experience of like custom and craft that I'm really surprised that he would be the one that broke everything. He really did. Right. So yeah. and it's it's super telling too because the the other game we were going to mention and we should yes. mention it, Voidfall. Uh, yeah. $157 for all in on this game. That's the same as Marrakesh. It is. <laughs> and this this is a Mind Clash game with yes. miniatures. Yes. I'm, and I'm not saying one game's better than the other, and I'm not saying one has more components or the other, but it's a we Mind Clash No, we didn't get to play it. We didn't get to yeah. play it. It's 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 crazy to me. And that this is just the new normal, right? It's a, it is. Big Kickstarter games come out, they're $150. And it just is what it is. Plus you know, taxes and, and shipping. Yeah, so you end up paying about 200 bucks to get everything for these games. And you get them in, and they have 14 expansions. You don't play with <laughs> any of those expansions because you need yeah. like the same group of people to sit down and play it like 10 times, which is never going to yeah. happen because the next Kickstarter comes in the next week. Yeah. So it's too much money. 
<laughs> that's all I and got. It, and again, it's it's the the big issue is it's not even that's too much money because we've all spent a lot of money on games over the years. It's too much money right away, like all at once. Yeah. And as like yeah. you said, all the expansions that come out, it's you know you, you have to choke all of this down right up front. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, because otherwise, you know, we could sit here and complain and people are like, well, then don't buy it. I'm like, okay, yeah, but totally backing up a little bit. I can't buy Voidfall if if I wanted it without getting all the extra stuff. Like even the basic yeah. standard box was almost $100. I can't buy Marrakesh without spending all at least stuff. 125 bucks for the basic version of the game plus shipping. So that's not really an option. And then all these big expansive expensive versions that they release are Kickstarter convention only sometimes because they're like, well, it's really expensive. We can't afford to put it in retail. They're like, okay. (laughs) So now the only way I can get it is to spend $300. Cool. But then release the base game and then give people a chance to play it and then release a deluxe version or expansion modules to upgrade the game like you had done for decades. Yes. And this way it allows people to get involved in the industry. I mean, recently... Catan came out with their fancy $300 version of Catan. And again, there are cheaper versions of Catan, not much cheaper these days since Asthma, they bought them, but there are cheaper versions of Catan out there. And recently went from $300. Amazon has a sale today. I don't know how long it'll last. I think it's like $157 or something. I mean, it's more reasonable, but again, a $300 version of Catan, maybe just again, for people who already invest in Catan, but games like Voidfall, that's brand new. And Mind Clash Games is, is kind of known for this too, where they just throw every top quality thing that they can think of inside the game. It's just, I want to be able to play a game before I spend three, $400. And I don't think that's too much to ask because I, I want to own these games. You and I are not saying this out of hate. We're saying this out of love. We, we really do yeah. love the games. We do love the publishers. We do love the designers. We're just kind of, you know, financially and emotionally broke by this. This is just kind yeah. of a weird way to feel about your the hobby that you love. And again, like you said, these are luxury items. And that is very true. But I will also say one thing for board gamers. Just like Magic, The Gathering, and I'm sure a lot of CCGs and a lot of other hobbies out there too. There's a financial investment in order to be able to socialize with your community. Now, does everyone have to own a game? Not necessarily. Some people can own it, and then other people can come to game night. And board gaming is by far cheaper and more affordable than any CCG or miniatures game out there. But there is some level of like social capital that you should own these things, right? You should you should be able to bring these things to game night. If you want to have a game night of fun, you should be able to do those things. And again, we're seeing preview after preview on you know kickstarter instead of seeing reviews if there was half a dozen reviews from reviewers that i knew and trusted i'd feel a little bit better about dropping crazy money but instead there's half a dozen or a dozen previews that are paid and i'm like come on guys like i don't know to back this because everything's a preview or a walkthrough that's paid and i kind of kind of feel bad about that because i used to be able to watch kickstarter videos from independent designers and independent reviewers and feel like it's an independent project. And now I just, I don't feel that way at all. I feel really like this is a product through and through and it's not a labor of love. It might as well be a mass market thing where they're just trying to get as much money from you as possible. And again, that's perfectly valid in a capitalistic culture, but I just want to have fun. I just want to play games at the table. And I feel bad when like Dwellers of Eldervale comes out and it's so expensive that I can't even look at it and then it turns out to be a great game and now I can't play it. And Voidful probably is going to be a great game. I won't know. My friends won't know because again, it's one of those things that's just too expensive. And it's, you know, and it's Ian O'Toole artwork and I love Ian O'Toole and David Turtsy. I mean, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. And again, it's broken. Now, I wouldn't say the casual fan, but the gateway gamer person we used to say transition games, right? Like you moved from like a Catan or a Ticket to Ride. Those are big market games, but it seems like those are the only ones you could afford these days because these ones that have the real serious designer feel to them are just everything, everything. Like 
Twilight Imperium should be like, and Gloomhaven should be like the cap, right? Like yeah. $150 for a game. That's, that's like above and beyond. That's like something that you should have to like, in you know, invest in a carrying case. But it's yeah. every game now. <laughs> it's every game now. And that's just the problem. Yeah. So yeah, and it's and then when the game comes in, where do you put it? Like I have that anachrony, I've said this a hundred times, you guys are probably tired of hearing me say it, but the infinity box, I've yet to play that game because it's this big, massive hunk yeah. of box that I've shoved it up into the top shelf corner. I don't even know if I could get it down at this point, but I'm like, where am I gonna carry this? And there's nowhere to set it up because it's too big. So you yeah. give me a hundred and fifty dollar game. It's so sprawling, it's so many expansions, it's so much stuff yeah. that it's overwhelming, and then I just don't play it. And that's well, I, depressing to me because I do want to play it, but it certainly keeps me from backing additional ones. And I think the for me, Anthony, the example is the Suburbia, this the big yep. box reprint <laughs> and Mad King Ludwig, which had the super big tiles. I don't know if you remember that 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 mm-hmm. Kickstarter campaign. Like not only could you buy the game, but you could buy larger tiles. So we haven't even seen that box yet, but we have seen the Suburbia one. I love Suburbia. You and I love Suburbia. We're like, there's a, I, I think between the two of us, there's probably like a dozen games that we are just like love and have played forever. I think like episode 55 or something. I'm just pulling out of the top of my head. Like we, we just love the game. I have many friends who bought the game. I have not seen it any at any game night because everyone nope. has said the same thing. <laughs> it's too big to carry. It's too big to travel with. It's too big for the table. So they have these pristine versions of it that's doing nothing but sitting in their house. You got to keep in keep in mind like table table presence, table size, and carry things. And like I have the beautiful wooden version of you know one of my favorite games of all time, Small World, has no handles on it. That thing's never moving. I'm never taking that anywhere. I can't move that thing. Like <laughs> right. I'm a crazy person, but that's that's the other side of this. And again, Queen Games, I don't know what they think because like. They always pack the they they they're known for their big box games. You yeah. ever carry one of those big coffin box games that they have? And the so fact hard. that their plastic inserts have like a dozen queenies that are just waiting to flip out and scatter inside the box. Like I have a fresco box that's like a like a you know a landmine waiting to happen. Yeah, no, I backed that Mega Alhambra box. It has like forty something expansions in it. I opened it <laughs> at some point because my wife likes Alhambra. But she just yeah. wants to play the basic version of that game. I couldn't find all the components I needed to do that. And I was just like, I right, let's do something else. Let's let's yeah. play Dragon Castle or something. This is a mess. There's like you've ruined a very basic game by putting all this <laughs> in the box. And I bought it, so it's on me. I know. But I, like I'm probably gonna go buy a base game version of that just so I can play it with the family. And that's insane because I spent almost two hundred dollars on the mega edition. Oh, Kickstarter, crazy. you broke me, man. You broke me. Yeah, again, Kickstarter has been fantastic for shepherding those smaller games, for allowing them to be produced, to allowing them to get to market, those independent game designers. I mean, we're so lucky and fortunate to have Kickstarter for those things. But I think that, you know, as you said, Anthony, I think we've jumped the shark in a bunch of places. And I think, you know, again, going back to the Jurassic Park quote, you know, like, these madmen, you know, they never, you know, they, they, they could do it, but they never questioned, should they do it? You know, like, and that's really what we're looking at here. Of course you can put literally everything in the kitchen sink in a Kickstarter, but then no one's ever going to play it. And no one's going to ever be able to get it to the table. No one's going to be able to afford it who you want to bring to the game table. So, uh, and again, it hurts the conventions, it hurts the, the game nights. It's sad. It really, it really is honestly very sad. So, yeah, Kickstarter is crazy. And again, if you like to Kickstarter and you like to back more of those games, check in with us next week as we moan and groan and then begrudgingly back the next insane project. <laughs> yep. I know. We talk about these things and I'm like, I'm not quite off of Voidfall yet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. So. Thank you for uh, sitting with us at the table as we talk about all of the craziness that is board gaming. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the insanely crazy, large, multi-backed, billion-dollar board game 
that is Kickstarter versions. See ya! Bye!